AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Informing America's farmers and ranchers. This is AOA. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. And hello, everyone. Welcome to AOA. Thank you for joining us, letting us be part of your day. And we kick off a new month. Glad you're with us. Lots to talk about today. Of course, uh, we continue to watch what's going on in Washington, D.C. As of this moment, as I'm speaking, still no vote on the infrastructure bill. Negotiations underway to try to get something done on the uh, budget resolution bill. They did, uh, of course, get government funded to keep it open now. Still working on that debt ceiling issue so a lot still happening a lot still at play kind of wondering what will they come up with trying to find some kind of a deal of course the infighting within the democratic party can they come up with something maybe a lower amount that could get through kind of some some face saving move to where they can somehow claim victory but right now everything's still hanging in the balance so we'll continue to watch that Coming up today, we'll hear from the National Pork Producers Council, their ongoing legal challenge to California's Prop 12. We're going to talk with Brian Jennings with the American Coalition for Ethanol. We'll talk RVOs, but we'll also talk about uh, a partnership that uh, ACE is involved with, with USDA. We'll tell you about that. And the new CEO of the National Association of State Departments of Agriculture. Ted McKinney will join us. Ted, of course, just recently an undersecretary at USDA. Before that was uh, Ag Director in the state of Indiana. So we'll talk with Ted about his new position and the goals that he has for the State Departments of Agriculture. All that coming up on today's show. But we're going to start it off looking at yesterday's USDA report. Joining us now is Todd Holtman, DTN Lead Analyst. Todd, thank you for joining us. And um, interesting report. Um, all of a sudden now we uh, go back and start revising last year's harvest, don't we? <laughs> yes. Uh, a, a bit of a surprise there. Uh, we took a little off of uh, last year's corn production and added a little to last year's soybean production. Uh, once again, I think it shows the power of these quarterly stocks reports and the importance of actually taking inventory uh, because it does keep our WASDE estimates on a little more honest track. So uh, some surprising adjustments yesterday, especially in that soybean number. Well, let me ask you this, because this, this happens often. But just explain again for us how and why this happens. I mean, is do they all of a sudden now, a year later, uh, they've counted the beans and they found a different amount, or is this a bookkeeping uh, move to make things uh, come out the way they want them to come out? Uh, it, in my mind, it's it's a bookmaking move, but their hand was forced by the inventory report. So I think of the, the WASDE process as, a, you know, the old party game of telephone where you'd whisper to your neighbor a message, and by the time it would go through three or four or five other people, they're saying a completely different message. And that's kind of what happens in our WASDE reports when we estimate month by month by month. It's very easy. There's, there's so many assumptions and estimates on estimates in those WASDE reports. It's easy to get off track. And that's why these quarterly grain stocks and the effort to take inventory of actual grain on hand is so important. It, it puts that uh, guessing process back on a track that's closer to reality. And that's what we saw happen yesterday in space with the soybeans. Okay, then let me ask it this way. We trade off each set of new numbers that comes out. But when you make these kind of adjustments, doesn't it call into question the credibility or the accuracy of those numbers that we trade off of each month? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I think there ought to be a warning label on the WASDE reports myself. There are so many underlying assumptions, so much uncertainty in that report, so many things we don't know that you have to really take those uh, numbers lightly. They're not etched in stone. Uh, and, and again, until we get actual inventory numbers to kind of corroborate that, uh, it's, it's difficult to sometimes to have faith in that. So then, uh, as you asked earlier, when we see that the actual inventory, say, for soybeans was quite a bit higher than everyone expected, then you have to go back and uh, figure out, okay, how are we going to adjust this on the books? 
And uh, it's not always a pretty picture, but that's uh, kind of the spot that USDA has itself in. Okay, besides adjusting the soybean numbers, what else stood out to you yesterday? Well, of course, the big winner of the day was wheat, uh, and they had kind of a, a double hit of bullish news yesterday. Not only did they have a lower uh, September 1st stocks total than was expected, they also got uh, some uh, cuts in the production estimate for all wheat, and well, both categories, winter wheat and spring wheat. So uh, they, they won on all fronts, and uh, that's why they're trading higher again here a second day. So harvest rolls on, but this report reminds yeah. us we may not actually know the, this year's harvest results till a year from now. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, in, in, until we get to that September 30th report, everything is kind of up in the air. <laughs> so where do you see the markets going from here then based on what, what they have to look at? Well, uh, so that brings me back to the importance of looking at market clues. And, and I would say one thing, if there was one thing that tipped us off, that there were more comfortable soybean supplies than we were all expecting, it was the fact that we saw cash soybean prices really come down sharply in the last three months of the season. For that same token, I think we're seeing a stronger than expected performance now in the cash corn price. And that leads me to believe that maybe, just maybe, uh, the the uh, production estimate is a little bit too high yet uh, on that corn crop total, and or uh, maybe uh, demand looking forward is going to be a little better than expected. That's interesting. You look for those clues. As you said, we kind of had a clue yeah. that uh, soybean stocks weren't not as tight as uh, we'd been led to believe, and now uh, we're getting this indication on corn. That So you're seeing a stronger corn price moving forward? Yeah, you know, as you look at cash corn prices uh, across the Midwest, they're still well uh, and comfortably above the $5 mark, even in the Western Corn Belt, where we usually uh, suffer a little uh, larger basis than what you see in the Eastern Corn Belt. So uh, th this is really uncommonly strong cash prices for corn uh, at this time of year. And uh, if you notice, corn prices have really held up well lately, and they haven't made uh, any new lows for a, a little while here so i think that's very impressive during harvest time to see that kind of firmness in the market which could uh, influence some of those acres decisions moving forward uh, you know farmers looking at the higher input costs and weighing that those and making those decisions but uh, the price uh, you know these grain prices corn prices could help sway maybe starting to buy some acres already yeah, and, and, you know, that leads us into another messy topic, and that's the rising natural gas price, the shutdown of some fertilizer companies with uh, lack of uh, uh, natural gas available, especially in, in Europe, and we're hearing uh, similar things in China. They're shutting down uh, the exports of some phosphates. So that, that's all looking much messier uh, as we look forward to spring, and uh, it, it's hard to know if that's going to iron out in time. Yeah, a lot of things uh, to take into consideration. We know some rotations are going to stay set, but uh, some of those other acres uh, may be in play. So we'll see how all this impacts that. Todd, good to talk with you. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. DTN lead analyst Todd Holtman. Up next, a look at the ongoing legal challenge against California's Prop 12, next on AOA. AOA is brought to you by... Cenex Matron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils, oils that run smart. I choose the Roundup Ready Extend crop system because I know they've got my back. Their spray early weed control guarantee helps me get the most out of early season applications. If I experience less than commercially acceptable performance, I'm eligible for up to $15 per acre on additional applications. That's a system I can depend on. The Roundup Ready Extend Crop System. See program details at SprayEarlyGuarantee.com. Guarantee is subject to program restrictions. Always follow pesticide label directions. They say if you listen hard enough, you can hear the corn grow. It's true. When you're out in the field, you understand its challenges and what it needs to thrive. Channel Seedsmen bring insights from the field to our team of Bayer plant breeders. Their knowledge inspires our product development. 
From your best ground to your most challenging conditions, our products are designed to perform in your fields. Visit channellistens.com to see our latest innovations. Always read and follow IRM where applicable. Grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. At Golden Harvest, our best skill is knowing how to listen. From our Gold Series soybean and game-changing corn portfolios to our expert insights housed in the Illuminate Digital Agronomy Platform. Everything we offer is an answer to what we've heard from you. This is how we listen. Copyright 2021 Syngenta. The trademarks or service marks used herein are the property of a Syngenta Group company. All other trademarks are the property of their respective owners. These acres you've put your life into. Your view each harvest morning. While the ag industry changes, this land is meant to be here for your grandkids and then theirs. That's why ADS and drainage contractors across the nation are doing our part to protect America's farm families. We're proud to provide water management solutions that make family farms like yours more profitable, now and for generations to come. Learn more about how we keep families farming at ADSPipe.com. I'll take dig a little, learn a lot for 30 bushels. Soft and crumbly. Tom. How does healthy soil feel to the touch? Correct. Dig a little for 40 bushels. Sweet and earthy. Tom. What does healthy soil smell like? Yes, go again. Dig a little for 50 bushels. Dark, porous, and alive. Tom. What does healthy soil look like? You win. Understanding the basics and benefits of healthy soil can make your farm a winner, too, through lower input costs, better yields, and drought protection, which can lead to a healthier bottom line for your business. Contact your local Natural Resources Conservation Service office today to find out how you can unlock the secrets in your soil. This message brought to you by USDA's Natural Resources Conservation Service and this radio station. AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. So far, legal challenges against California's Prop 12 have been unsuccessful, but the National Pork Producers Council and American Farm Bureau Federation are going to take another swing at this, taking it all the way to the Supreme Court. Joining us now is General Counsel for the National Pork Producers Council, Michael Formica. Michael, thanks for joining us again. Uh, is this your last chance? Uh, well, this is, uh, I wouldn't, uh, first of all, thanks for having me and happy uh, National Pork Month. Uh, I wouldn't call this our last chance. This was part of a long-term strategy that we uh, that we set uh, forth on a, a path for maybe three uh, three almost four years ago and we've expected it to play out just as it as it has um, while we lost at the Ninth Circuit uh, that wasn't unexpected and we received a decision there and an opinion that sets this case up perfectly for the Supreme Court to take it and so we are uh, we are working on uh, getting this before the Supreme Court, and are hopeful uh, that they will that they will take it up. To to your broad question, yes, this is this is a request to them. We are asking them to hear this case. We think um, everything's in line to create a environment where they're going to be inclined to take the case up. Um, but we can't we can't guarantee that and. Uh, we're going to be working hard over the next few months to make sure that they they realize the importance of this. When will you know, or do you know, when you'll find out if they'll take it up? Well, um, prob- probably near the end of the year, which unfortunately means we're not going to have any clarity before Prop 12 kicks in. There are other efforts underway to try and get both California and there's also question three in Massachusetts, which is very similar um, efforts to get delays in those two states. Uh, we don't have anything to report there yet, but we're we're working on delaying those. Um, but the Supreme Court will hold a series of conferences over the course of this fall. Um, we should be on their schedule for them to make a decision 
somewhere somewhere around the new year, maybe early January, and uh, would you know would hopefully find out then uh, that they're going to grant our request, um, and then we'd have arguments and a decision later in the uh, spring. And again, uh, for those uh, not familiar with California's Prop 12, it sets production standards for that state, but it also requires any product being sold into uh, that state of California, into that market, to meet those same production standards. So we're talking pork here. So if you're a pork producer in Iowa or Illinois or wherever, you would have to meet those California standards, follow them in order to sell into that market. Mike, I was going to ask you, why do you think this uh, legal appeal, if it if it's heard by the Supreme Court, why do you think it might be different? But I think you kind of indicated the answer there. You think there was something in one of those rulings that actually went against you that maybe sets up a chance for a different outcome if it goes to the Supreme Court. Yeah. So we we so there. I could get really down into the weeds. There are a lot of reasons um, why there's different strategies you can you can take. Uh, we we looked closely at what the court has said in the past. Um, our case is a lot different structurally from what NAMI, uh, the, the, what the Packers were filing. They Their hope was to get up as quickly as possible, but there were some procedural, um, real procedural challenges they were faced with. Um, we, also, we also filed our case knowing how difficult it was to win in the Ninth Circuit uh, we got the judges we want. We didn't get the decision we wanted in the Ninth Circuit on its face, but they, the court, uh, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, came out and said we had pled our case. We have shown there will be dramatic, destructive impact across the country and really across the globe because Prop 12 also reaches across borders and impacts producers in in Canada or in Mexico. Anyone who sells pork into the U.S. is going to be impacted by this. But because of the law in the Ninth Circuit, we couldn't succeed. You need the Supreme Court to overturn the Ninth Circuit law. And as most people probably realize the Ninth Circuit is far outside the bounds of what the rest of the country looks at the Constitution as. In the last, in the last term, 24 out of 25 cases that came from the Ninth Circuit were overturned. So we feel if we can get this case up to the Supreme Court, that they can see that California just doesn't recognize the commerce, the, the existence of the Commerce Clause, uh, and that's at odds with the rest of the country, that they can't allow this to continue on. And we have a, we have a court opinion now that clearly says that. We have uh, the, the implementation date coming closer. We have chaos in the marketplace. I've been hearing from um, from a lot of retailers now who are trying to make their purchases for bacon for you know for the spring for January February and they can't secure supplies of bacon. Here in the fourth quarter of, of 2021, they're running into this trouble. Um, that that creates real disruption in the marketplace, and um, hopefully all of that will be before the court and they will they will understand this. Yeah, you wonder if California consumers even understand or realize what, what's going to happen to them. Uh, we're talking with Michael Formica, General Counsel for the National Pork Producers Council. All right, Michael, so unless delayed, Prop 12 goes into effect next year. Are, are producers in that state ready to meet Prop 12 standards? Uh, well, so there, therein is the crux of the problem. There really are no producers in California. Right. right. That's, that's, the, that's the whole point. There are... Small there numbers. Are, there are extremely small numbers. And one of the things we have found out is the, there are 8,000 hogs or so in the state. Most of those are show pigs, um, you know, 4-H hogs, FFA hogs. Those hogs are impacted, too, because while Prop 12 exempts them at the state fair or at the county fair, those kids who are raising those hogs, what, what, is it, what, do, you, what do you do at the, at the county fair? You sell your pigs. And now you, and so showing the pig at the fair is fine, but any sale of that meat needs to be needs to be certified Prop 12 compliant. Meaning those those you know junior high kids, those elementary school kids need to now track the conditions that the the that the sow who 
for their you know their piglets were raised in and it's it's going to create chaos in california it's creating chaos throughout the marketplace already um so yeah california is not ready for this um producers some producers are trying to come into compliance uh but it's going to be uh it's going to be uh a messy situation well california is a state of high prices anyway but this is going to be some sticker shock for consumers there that rely on other producers in other states to provide them with bacon and other pork products. Uh, they're they're going to see some big jumps in prices, aren't they? Uh, that yes, yes, they will. I had mentioned we were also working in Massachusetts with Question Three, very similar to this. The Humane Society came back and told the Massachusetts legislature that we were overstating the problem that there is plenty of bacon that's out there in the marketplace that people can buy and the example they gave they, they mentioned a, 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 a small artisanal baking company and so i looked them up and they're selling bacon for 36 dollars a pound and so, so we said hey uh, so mr chairman of the, yeah. of the committee this is this is what they expect massachusetts consumers to to pay for bacon 36 dollars a pound and um, that that did not go unnoticed. And so I think, like I said, we're working on some things in Massachusetts, in California. Uh, the $36 a pound bacon realization opened up a lot of eyeballs in the in the Massachusetts legislature. And so we remain uh, we remain optimistic. Um, but, you know, both at both Prop 12 and Question 3 uh, continue to be big challenges. All right, so we wait and see if the Supreme Court uh, will hear the case. Michael, thank you for the update. Thank you. Have a great day. Eat more bacon. All right, take care. Michael Formica, General Counsel for the National Pork Producers Council. So the legal battle continues over California's Prop 12. Now the question is, will the Supreme Court hear this case brought by the National Pork Producers Council and American Farm Bureau Federation? But even if they do, as you heard Michael say, uh, they probably won't, we won't even find out maybe till the end of the year if they will or not. Then you have to go through the, the, the hearing and the ruling and all that. So Prop Trail is going to go into effect, it looks like, unless some of these other measures can delay it. Uh, wow, this has been going on for some time now. And you just wonder, those who voted for that in California, did they realize all the implications of it? Did they realize what it's going to mean, what it's going to cost them or not? I think there's going to be some real shock there. Uh, we've already seen some high bacon prices around the country. Uh, they, they could go up a lot more. So we'll see. Uh, there's a lot here at play. And uh, in the legal process, we know it, it takes time. It moves slowly. Up next, the new CEO of the National Association of State Departments of Agriculture. We'll see what he thinks about it as well. Ted McKinney next on AOA. AOA is brought to you by... Cenex Matron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart. These acres you've put your life into. Your view each harvest morning. While the ag industry changes, this land is meant to be here for your grandkids and then theirs. That's why ADS and drainage contractors across the nation are doing our part to protect America's farm families. We're proud to provide water management solutions that make family farms like yours more profitable, now and for generations to come. Learn more about how we keep families farming at ADSPipe.com. Every Tuesday, we're sitting around the table, sponsored by CHS, where we'll be talking with folks from throughout the cooperative system. Join us as we discover what makes cooperatives unique when there are more options to do business with than ever before. We'll learn how farmers and ranchers like you benefit from a system where decisions are made by the members that own it. Tune in every Tuesday for Around the Table or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. You're listening to AOA. I'm Kirsten Rawl. The USDA reported bigger corn and bean stocks than traders expected. Corn and wheat stocks were within the range of trade estimates, but the USDA found more beans than expected. Corn and wheat futures on the Board of Trade are heading into October higher. Soybeans are seeing fractional losses. On the Board of Trade this morning, December corn trading two and a fraction higher at 539 and a fraction. The March contract up two and three quarters at 547 and a quarter of a cent. For 
soybeans, the November contract trading a penny lower at 12.55. The January contract down a half a cent at 12.65. For wheat, Chicago wheat December trading 18 and three quarters of a cent higher at 7.44 and a fraction. Kansas City wheat December up 17 and a fraction at 7.49. Minneapolis spring wheat December up 13 and three quarters at 9.26 and a quarter. The March contract up 13 and a half cent at 9.13 and a half cent. The huge divergence between cattle and hog futures shows the dynamic between the two markets based on the results of last Friday's reports. The weakness of cattle push futures below technical support. Hogs have reached or exceeded technical resistance. We are seeing steady cash cattle trade at $124 in the south and $196 on a dress basis in the north and should be viewed as positive. Any business that will be done today will follow the same pattern. Box beef prices fell again with choice cuts down $2.35 and select cuts down $2.46. For live cattle on the Board of Trade, the October contract trading 57 cents higher at 121.15, December up 40 at 126.12. For feeder cattle, October up 75 at 153.30, the November contract trading 72 cents higher at 153.62. For hogs, the October contract up 47 at 92.07, the December contract trading 30 cents lower at 85.10. You're listening to AOA, I'm Kirsten Rawl. As an organ donor, your story doesn't have to end. A good in you can live on. In fact, you could save up to eight lives with your gifts. Your heart could keep beating. Your kidneys could keep filtering. And your intestines could keep on digesting for others. And that's not all. You can improve the lives of 50 more people as an eye and tissue donor, restoring sight and health. And you're not just helping out the person receiving the transplant. You're touching whole families with your life-saving gift. Register in minutes. Just go to organdonor.gov. You'll be happy you did. And just maybe, someone else will be happy too. Sign up today. Go to organdonor.gov. It saves lives. U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. And we are joined now by the new CEO of the National Association of State Departments of Agriculture, Ted McKinney, former USDA Undersecretary and former Indiana Ag Director. Ted, thanks for joining us. Congratulations. Kind of feel like going home to be back with this group. Oh, Mike, thank you for your good wishes. I tell you, it, it's like putting on a comfortable bathrobe or slipping into some comfortable shoes. Uh, I've known NASDAQ since 1994 and worked with them, so I'm just one lucky guy. Let me just put it that way. Well, you had uh, at your recent meeting uh, a, a good meeting. It looked like you covered a lot of ground, and you also kind of set the, the agenda for the coming year, what your priorities are. Uh, let's kind of go through some of those, and I would think uh, when you – we were just – in the, our last segment before you came on talking about prop 12 the california proposition that would impact uh, producers in other states wanting to sell into that market how does your association now deal with that when you have you know, california and the other states kind of at odds over this issue <laughs> that's a good question and in fact that was a policy that was passed i think out of courtesy and respect and even fairness uh uh, Prop 12 was not mentioned by name. Uh, uh, I think it was much more of a principled kind of policy. And, and let, me, let me draw the larger issue. At the very time that we are frustrated, or in my former role, I was trying to break down barriers because countries were, were doing unfair things. Europe probably is the poster child of instituting policies that uh, restrain uh, tariffs or otherwise keep out U.S. products. It's very difficult for us to push back on Europe or other countries who do that deliberately, a little self-interest there. 
and then see, you know, some of our own states starting down that pathway here. It gives other countries a reason to say, well, if you do it inside your own country, how, how is it you can legitimately uh, push back on us? So there is some real big policy stuff behind that. And yes, there will always be differences of opinion amongst members. But for the most part, the, uh, the vote was unanimous and uh, not, not consensed. It was not 100%. But it was, uh, it was a very, very clear, strong, strong majority. So uh, we're going to try to tiptoe through that one and be fair to all, respect the wishes where we can. But, oh, my goodness, it, uh, it could cause uh, very, very serious problems if this thing gets away from us. We also know of the uh, port situation on the West Coast. It's, it's a big concern, and having an impact has already and will, looks like it will continue for a while. What is your position, your, your group's position on that issue? Sure. Well, there is some limitation on what we can do, even though our secretaries, commissioners, and directors have, have a pretty strong voice, more so than many people might realize. What we've done is much more formally asked Congress and the administration to immediately, and I do mean immediately, intervene in the current port congestion situation, specifically authorize and empower the Federal Maritime Commission to take actions as needed, uh, particularly on the things like the detention demurrage uh, charges. That's just beyond the pale in the view of our members. And otherwise, get the problem fixed. Now, in fairness to our friends at the federal government, we heard uh, Secretary Vilsack speak to us, and even Deputy Secretary Brunel spoke to this. They are fully engaged with the Federal Maritime Commission. They they jumped on that uh, about about the time we and others were getting frustrated. Uh, but we think that our voice, certainly their voice and their demands, can perhaps raise this to a level that uh, things can move more quickly and more efficiently and more thoroughly than they might have otherwise, hence the value of the position. But this is a nasty gig. I mean, you look at the fact that containers are going back to Asia-Pacific empty. Give me a break. What's going on there? I, I think I have my ideas, but we've got to address that because that is just not efficient transportation. I would also say it's not fair. So these are the kinds of things that are on the plate, and we're going to be diving deep into them. Certainly your role as undersecretary at USDA when you were dealing with trade and these issues, uh, I mean, we talk so much about uh, developing markets for our products but if you can't deliver it doesn't do any good to, to make a sale or have a trade deal if you can't get the products to them right yeah in a strange way the very words of they get you coming and going which is what's going on with these containers uh, that's happening in the policy area yeah it's an example that you have to be diligent on these issues i gotta tell you when we were traveling those four hundred ninety thousand international air miles I, I made one startling discovery that you can learn back in uh, classroom 4-HFFA. Uh, you have a whole lot better chance of resolving a situation when you just simply show up or voice up. And that's what we and others are doing. If you're not voicing up, showing up, ideally get belly to belly, eye to eye with a customer, you're not as prone, you're not as likely to resolve the situation. And so this is why... We are engaged as we are. We're encouraging others to be engaged, and we're grateful that the administration, mostly in our world, the USDA, in some cases USTR, uh, are also engaged. So this will resolve itself in time, but it sure can't come quickly enough for our members and, and the NASDA family. We're talking with Ted McKinney, the new CEO of the National Association of State Departments of Agriculture. Another big issue facing agriculture and your state's um, ag labor. Where are we on that? What's your position? What are you pushing for there? Oh, gosh. This is becoming decades old now, uh, Mike. Well, we have made many, many attempts to get at a, a, a guest immigration program, and, and there's variations of that. Come for a short while, come for a long while, track them appropriately, obey the law always, but we are more and more and more in a world of hurt, particularly for those uh, animal protein, think of dairy particularly, uh, uh, dairies that need that guest labor. The same could be said for fruits, vineyards, uh, nut crops, vegetable crops, 
And um, I think we're just at an impasse uh, in Congress on this kind of thing. And I, we understand both sides. I'll remind you that, that our members are, are both Democrat and Republican, and we get along pretty well. There's differences, to be sure, but we do try to find consensus. And we have found consensus on some of the programs of guest worker-type programs of one sort of another. But we've just uh, we've just got to keep tapping on the congressional uh, uh, mantra and just keep saying we're being hurt. We're being hurt. Please come together some way, somehow. I know there was some attempts to bring immigration into a couple of the bills that are facing us now, but they seem to e- either be too small or too large or too free or too forgiving. Uh, and, um, and we always get caught in the middle. So we're going to keep pressing it. In the meantime, we're also promoting as much as we can uh, mechanization where electro, uh, you know, robotic-type harvesting, robotic-type milking can occur because at the end of the day, the crops have got to come out of the field and the cows have got to get milk, among other things. So it's just something that we're going to keep our, uh, our shoulder to the wheel on and hope that we can get an outcome somehow, some way, sometime. It's a tough one. USDA uh, moving forward with uh, climate programs, uh, a heavy emphasis on conversation and on conservation, I should say, and uh, working on uh, what they're calling climate smart uh, programs. Is this something that uh, NASDA is working with them on, or how would you describe your relationship with USDA on these efforts? Very good question. We are deeply involved and ready to go even more so. And the biggest reason for this is that uh, though many people think that policy uh, program implementation is all at the federal level, it is not. The states have a very big responsibility in many of these areas. And you can say uh, uh, specialty crop block grants. A lot of conservation programs are run at the state level, either by state monies or via grants from the federal level. I mean, think of it this way. It's far better for someone who knows the clientele, knows the crops, knows the critters, and knows the, uh, uh, the style, the, the type of farms, uh, knows the waterways, far better for locals to manage these programs than for some federal agent to come from Washington and try to do this. So we have a very big stake. I'll just go back to my time as the Indiana director, one of my great joys among many was doing the deep dive into all the conservation programs. I'm very proud that the, in, the state of Indiana is, is the second, state, second largest state in acres of cover crops. And I'm sure that that promotion, that enthusiasm, that administration could not be done if it was a bunch of people dispatched from Washington. No offense to the feds. It's just local knows local. So we're deeply involved. And we're reminding them that we have that shared responsibility. Sometimes they either don't know, God love them, or they've forgotten, or they don't care to know. So we're very deeply involved. The other thing is that we see a lot of positives, and we also see some threats. Surely, you can guess, we're promoting the positives. Bring on the cover crops. We think there's something to say about somebody. It may be the private sector. It may be taxpayers contributing toward farmers and those wonderful trees, those wonderful crops of all sorts, being a carbon sink. But the threat is always there in the game of politics that if you say yes to taking federal money to do that, are you going to get the knife in the belly uh, on uh, swallowing hard on the 2015 version of the waters of the U.S.? That's not a fair deal, and it's not one that's acceptable. So um, we're playing a very good diplomatic game to try to find a way forward in all these things. Well, Ted, again, congratulations on the new position. Wish you well. Look forward to working with you. Well, hellos to all your farmers and ranchers, and tell them all to be safe. It's the harvest season. We hope they get their COVID shots. And uh... All right. Thank you. AOA is brought to you by Cenex Matron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils, oils that run smart. Through the years, you've really kept up with the times. You're on social media. Like, like, dislike, block. 
maintained your health. 10,000 steps. I'm a beast. You even programmed your own smart home. In 10 minutes, remind me that I'm a genius. In 10 minutes, I'll remind you that you're a genius. If you can do all that, you can definitely save for retirement. Just go to aceyourretirement.org, a free online tool sponsored by AARP that can help you get on track with your retirement savings no matter your age. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll meet Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach. And in just three minutes, get personalized recommendations to help boost your retirement savings. They're easy to understand and work with your lifestyle. It's quick, easy, and free. Plus, it's brought to you by AARP, so you know they got your back. You are a genius. Take charge of your retirement. Go to aceyourretirement.org now. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. Vision loss is not something that you feel until it happens. Most people lose their vision from diseases like macular degeneration and glaucoma, not at birth. With macular degeneration, you lose your central vision. You have a blind spot right in the center of your face, so I can't actually see your face. So even that little circle in which I could see became a big blur. I was 65 when I first was diagnosed with glaucoma. There were no symptoms. I had no headaches. Three million Americans have glaucoma, and half don't even know it. 11 million people in the United States have macular degeneration. You lose mobility, independence, changes your entire life. So many eye disorders can be treated if caught early. My husband tells me that I have beautiful brown eyes, and I don't want to lose that. Make a plan today to get your eyes checked. Visit brightfocus.org to learn more. Choose the proven performance of the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, featuring high-yielding Extend Flex soybeans and the exceptional weed control of Extend-to-Max herbicide with vapor grip technology. Elite genetics, triple herbicide tolerance, flexibility that delivers results, backed by 25 years of innovation. That's the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, the system of choice. Extend-to-Max is a restricted-use pesticide. Always follow stewardship practices, all pesticide label directions, and check with your state pesticide regulatory agency for specific restrictions in your state. They say if you listen hard enough, you can hear the corn grow. It's true. When you're out in the field, you understand its challenges and what it needs to thrive. Channel Seedsmen bring insights from the field to our team of Bayer plant breeders. Their knowledge inspires our product development. From your best ground to your most challenging conditions, our products are designed to perform in your fields. Visit ChannelListens.com to see our latest innovations. Always read and follow IRM where applicable. Grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. At Golden Harvest, our best skill is knowing how to listen. From our Gold Series soybean and game-changing corn portfolios to our expert insights housed in the Illuminate Digital Agronomy Platform, everything we offer is an answer to what we've heard from you. This is how we listen. Copyright 2021 Syngenta. The trademarks or service marks used herein are the property of a Syngenta Group company. All other trademarks are the property of their respective owners. When it comes to protecting your investment in fuel and diesel-powered equipment, Diesel X Gold from FS clearly beats other diesel fuels. New detergents disperse contaminants to prevent sludge that plugs filters and causes unexpected downtime. And now, better moisture handling chemistry helps ensure your fuel stays dry, reducing microbial growth and fuel line freeze-ups. So when you're deciding what fuel to use, choose Diesel X Gold, absolutely the best fuel to power and protect your diesel equipment. Contact your local FS Energy Specialist today or visit GoFurtherWithFS.com. Progressive Farmer knows you need content delivered on multiple platforms, so it's available when you want it. That's why we've created our weekly podcast, Field Posts, to bring you convenient and easy-to-listen-to interviews on key topics and trends. Join me, Sarah Mock, as I interview some of agriculture's best farmers. You'll have a front-row seat to learn what's happening in agriculture today. You can view our library of podcasts and upcoming topics by going to dtnpf.com backslash field posts. These acres you've put your life into, your view each harvest morning. While the ag industry changes, this land is meant to be here for your grandkids and then theirs. That's why ADS and drainage contractors across the nation are doing our part to protect America's farm families. We're proud to provide water management solutions that make family farms like yours more profitable, now and for generations to come. Learn more about how we keep families farming at ADSPipe.com. AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel, 
Diesel that doesn't mess around. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. USDA has announced a $7.5 million investment in the American Coalition for Ethanol-Led Regional Conservation Partnership Program to secure farmers access to low-carbon fuel standard markets based on their adoption of USDA Climate Smart Ag Practices. Here to tell us about it is Brian Jennings, CEO of the American Coalition for Ethanol. Brian, thanks for joining us. Well, I know you're frustrated on some things, uh, some dealings with the uh, the federal government. We'll talk about that in a bit. This is something I know you're very excited about. Good morning, Mike, to you and your listeners. Yeah, I'm, I'm grinning a bit because uh, frequently you and I talk about the frustrations we have with the administration about their mismanagement of the renewable fuel standard. And I'm sure we will talk about it because there's still, mm-hmm. there's still that going on, but this is good news. It really is. We began working with USDA shortly after um, uh, Joe Biden was elected and, and uh, Tom Vilsack was appointed secretary. And we were talking about talking to them about the fact that, you know, we've got to do something to demonstrate how farmers can 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 be part of the climate solution and see some economic value return to them for practices on farms that help reduce the, the greenhouse gas emissions of, of ethanol. And so we put together this proposal in partnership with a farmer-owned ethanol plant in, in South Dakota called Dakota Ethanol. Uh, working closely with the South Dakota Corn Growers Association, and uh, we, we looped the South Dakota State University into this. And the idea with this $7.5 million that USDA um, announced for us just a week ago is that five, at least $5 million of that is going to go to the farmers supplying corn to that ethanol facility for practices that help reduce the carbon intensity of the ethanol they produce. So it could be nutrient management with respect to fertilizer use. It could be uh, tillage practices, conservation, tillage, reduced tillage, no-till. There's probably going to be an element of cover cropping in there. And then we're going to work with South Dakota State University, uh, a well-respected land grant, to, to, to work with the farmers to verify that these practices are improving the health of the soil increasing the carbon content of the soil over time and take that data and measure it against existing soil carbon models and and verify that, hey, this can be done on farms in a way that helps reduce the overall carbon footprint of corn ethanol. And when that ethanol is sold into a carbon market, and today that carbon market is California, the premium uh, paid for that ethanol, uh, part of that needs to go back to the farmers. And so we're trying to create kind of a demonstration project on a real world scale, a prototype that uh, can can be replicated around the country. Interesting that you're partnering with USDA on this. And so you got one agency trying to show perhaps other agencies within this administration that ethanol ethanol production and use can help meet these climate goals when it seems EPA is kind of leaning the other way uh, if rumored reports are to be believed that they're going to reduce the RVO levels under the RFS. Isn't that disconnect just unbelievable? The fact that USDA is spending millions of dollars to support and showcase how corn ethanol is part of the climate solution and reduces greenhouse gases. And as you say, this EPA, the Biden EPA, here we go again, uh, is rumored to be dramatically cutting the renewable volume obligations for 2021, 2022. And goodness gracious, they're sort of gratuitously uh, rumored to be going back to 2020 and retroactively reducing those volumes. And so um, it's hair pulling and, you know, thank goodness Secretary Vilsack has some authority to be supportive over at the Department of Agriculture. I wish he had control over the Clean Air Act, but he doesn't. And so that's EPA. And yet the latest is we're hearing maybe today's the day, Mike, that uh, these proposals are, are unveiled, but 
I, th- I feel like you and I have talked about this before, too, maybe <laughs> as recently as a few weeks ago that we thought that was going to be the day. So we're ready. We'll see. We, we, we've engaged our champions on Capitol Hill to try to convince EPA or the White House to not do this. So we'll, we'll just kind of see how it plays out. Yeah, because there are also now reports or rumors that maybe they're backing off of that position. They have heard from uh, people that you just mentioned that are concerned about this. But at this point, it's all speculation until we get the announcement. It really is. And I'm kind of sick and tired of the speculation, to be honest with you. (laughs) I'm ready for this proposal. It's it's overdue by, by, by days and months and in some cases a year. We need to, to move on and, and try to fix it if we can. But I will say the recent engagement by people like Senator Klobuchar of Minnesota, Senator Duckworth of Illinois, to engage the White House directly, I'm hopeful has uh, resulted in, in maybe a, a, a turnaround on this. But, but we'll have to see how it, how it ends up with the RFS. All right. So, but in the meantime, again, on the positive side, you got this program, you got some money now to work, get it going and get more people involved in it, right? To show how ethanol is part of the solution on these climate issues. We do. And we're really encouraged that just earlier this week, Secretary Vilsack made an announcement where he wants to provide even additional dollars, probably through the CCC for projects like this. And so, We've got to get this South Dakota project stood up and and working and engaging the farmers and getting these NRCS dollars to them for these practices. But I will tell you, Mike, we're also looking at figuring out how we can replicate this in other states. We should be doing two or three of these in Iowa and Nebraska and Minnesota. And so that's something ACE is going to be working on, uh, engaging USDA uh, with these additional dollars. Very good. All right, Brian, thank you. Good to talk with you. Thank you, Mike. Take care. Brian Jennings, CEO of the American Coalition for Ethanol, as we wrap it up for the day and for another week. We'll keep you updated as we come back next week with all the happenings in Washington, D.C., infrastructure, budget resolution, so much more. Hope you'll join us right here on AOA. AOA is brought to you by Cenex Matron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils, oils that run smart. Choose the proven performance of the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, featuring high-yielding Extend Flex soybeans and the exceptional weed control of Extend to Max herbicide with vapor grip technology. Elite genetics, triple herbicide tolerance, flexibility that delivers results, backed by 25 years of innovation. That's the Roundup Ready Extend crop system. The system of choice. Extend to Max is a restricted use pesticide. Always follow stewardship practices, all pesticide label directions, and check with your state pesticide regulatory agency for specific restrictions in your state. They say if you listen hard enough, you can hear the corn grow. It's true. When you're out in the field, you understand its challenges and what it needs to thrive. Channel Seedsmen bring insights from the field to our team of bear plant breeders. Their knowledge inspires our product development. From your best ground to your most challenging conditions, our products are designed to perform in your fields. Visit ChannelListens.com to see our latest innovations. Always read and follow IRM where applicable. Grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions.